All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, October 25th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat from Los Angeles. Yeah, from La La Land. Uh, yeah. Doing boots on the ground. Yeah, in- I'm, I'm, you know, we always want to hear from the man on the street, but the only man on the street we really care about lives in Hollywood. You know, yes. let's be honest. That's the, This is where it all happens. And I'm currently broadcasting from the block where across the street from me is the Fast and Furious house directly across the street. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is right at the heart of box office right here. There are crowds lined up constantly around this house to pay tribute to the box office success of the Fast and Furious franchise. And Pat, you make your yearly pilgrimage there. It's your Mecca. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, F9 d- did Baffa Bobo over the summer, and therefore I had to come out and pay homage. So that's where yeah. I'm broadcasting from. Great. So let's... It was a big, a big weekend at the box office, so let's, let's, uh, let's plow real fast. I'm okay. going to just go right into it. Number one, Dune, 40 million dollars in its first frame number two halloween kills 14.5 million dollars down 71 percent added 22 theaters it is now at 73.1 million dollars in its second weekend number three no time to die 11.8 million dollars down 50 percent it lost 600 theaters it is now at $120 million in its third weekend. Number four, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, $9.1 million, down 45%, lost 500 theaters. It is standing at $181.8 million in its fourth frame. And number five, I called this, Ron's Gone Wrong, mm-hmm. $7.3 million, in its first weekend, beat out what? the Adams Family too by three million dollars. But Ron's Gone Wrong was still a bomb. Wow, wow, that's that is a tremendous top five. A lot to dig into there. So of course, the big one we're going to be talking about is Dune. But Dune, let's yeah. just quickly take a look at some of the other notable stuff from two to five. I mean, that Halloween Kills drop. That's larger than we would have expected. What was it? 70% drop? 71%. Yeah. I mean, it's still profitable though. Cause it's a low budget movie, $73 million total at this point. It's not going to be anywhere near the first one in profitability, but still for that budget, it's still a success. If it got some peacocks, peacock subscribers, which it maybe did, we'll see if they hold on. It can be looked at as some form of success here. I mean, the movie is definitely a hit because for this type of movie, from the start, if the first movie had done this exact business, had done seventy million after two weeks, it would have been a hit. You know, so the first movie, the twenty eighteen Halloween, definitely sets that bar higher for this kind of franchise. But this is a hit. It's, uh, you know, I guess this is what. We, the drop always should have been for a poorly reviewed horror movie that had a big opening weekend. And it's divisive among fans as well. It's Mm -hmm. not just a case of, 
oh, critics don't like it because critics right. don't normally like horror movies and especially not horror sequels. But this is a very divisive film among fans. And we're not going to delve into those waters because we're not critics and, and no. that's not what we do here. But that is, I do believe that the the theater... The, the the theater ticket buying is is uh, suffering because of this. Yeah, and I mean this is this is where being day and date on a streamer could hurt you because the opening weekend people are going to go they're they're into the theater they're going to you know the hardcores and 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 the the people who would have been inclined to see in theater they're going to go opening weekend. But then when you get to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's when people really start checking it out at home and do that instead of going the following weekend. Yeah. You know, so I think it's that second weekend gets hurt by being available on a streamer or being available to torrents because there's such a good digital copy online. Well, yeah, so I did a little snooping okay and i went to a a pretty pretty well-known and famous torrenting site i think uh, I, i'm not a torrenter i don't torrent but it's the one i know of okay and i went and checked just to see how many copies how many cedars all that stuff and this was uh the beginning of last week so it would have been right after that weekend Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of copies available and a Mm -hmm. lot of people trading it so this was a film that did get traded and especially uh well not traded stolen they they get stolen right right well you could trade a stolen item so it's still traded but the original item is stolen is stolen yeah but you know this is where i think people didn't and it's not about reviews like Owen Gleiberman or AA Dowd. These are reviews no. that like horror head Reddit people right. were posting about how they hated it. And I think this was a movie where a lot of people said, Well then I'll just torrent it. I'll just yep. watch it. It's doing these things that I don't agree with when it comes to what a Halloween movie is and how Michael Myers should be treated and all these different things. So they're like, let me let me not spend the money and see what I can complain about here. Right. And I think that's that's why this suffered as much as it did. And also horror movies do drop. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing is like 71% isn't really crazy for a horror movie. It's it's high. I mean, it's very high for a movie that opened number one at the mainstream yes. box office. That That's a very high drop. And I think you nailed it. The reviews in the New York Times don't matter. You know, the, the uh, uh, an A.O. Scott review saying Halloween kills, misses the mark, overstuffed sequel. You know, that doesn't matter. But when a Reddit user says, skip it in the theater, just torrent it, you know, or, or, or uh, a Reddit user says, this is a must steal. Those are the reviews that, that are damning. Yes. But, I mean, I think it, it will still do business through Halloween. I mean, this is the big weekend. Mm-hmm. You have Antlers coming out, although mm-hmm. that is – it's a horror movie ostensibly, but it's not from a horror director. So it doesn't – I don't know how well it's going to do. I do think Halloween will do some business over this next weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder if the Halloween kills number – 
has a very small, small drop this weekend and then completely falls off a cliff after that. I would think. I would think that it would. Yeah. Because then we're t- talking Eternals. Yes. Yes. Um. So, yeah. So, that's the Halloween kill situation. The Bond situation being at $120 million domestic, that feels like we're headed for overall di- disappointment in the domestic total territory with Bond. Well, it's a little bit under Free Guy's total because Free Guy is at 121. It's made more than Jungle Cruise. Right, but those are, I mean, Bond has way higher expectations than either of those movies, especially than Free Guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Because what did it make this past weekend? It made 11. It made 11. So at 120, like we're looking at a a Bond that may top out under 150 domestic at this point. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And Spectre topped out, I think, 200 domestic. So we're we're looking at a, you know, we're not giving movies mulligans anymore. You know, this is this is performing at a number that I think in the end is going to be a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, Spectre was two hundred domestic. Yeah, yeah. So if if if, if No Time to Die ends up under one fifty, then you know, I mean, we're getting a reboot with this anyway. We're getting rid of Daniel Craig, possibly Dan uh, uh, Clint Eastwood taking over as Bond, as we talked about last week. So. It's going to be a little bit of a, a doesn't really matter what this ends up clearing. But I think there's some signs for concern when Bond end up makes making less than 150 domestic. Yeah, I mean, there was so much going into this. Also, though, they were losing money not releasing it. So oh, of course, they had to release it. it. No, they, they had, had to, to release it. And yeah, I think we talked about Bond and why why we thought it didn't do well in the past two episodes, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have to re relitigate Bond, but yeah, it's you know, it's common knowledge the Bond franchise is in flux, and where they go from here, who knows? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll be following that story. I'll be following it from Hollywood, as I said. Well, Adam from the right Stacks, now. of course, we mentioned, I think, in passing at the end of the last episode that he had a great idea for the next Bond, Clint Eastwood. Yep. We're on board with that. We think that is something that really would 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 be a good direction to go. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Play to the audience that you have. Give them what they want. They want the oldest Bond possible. So just give it to them. Give them Clint's just Bond. One one movie one yes. clint eastwood as bond and that's yeah. it yeah and that's all you need you know what He'll, maybe he even throws in the the english accent occasionally and maybe and he'll you know do what? it have, not the whole movie him... not the whole movie clint's not going to do that voice the whole movie but he may do it for the catchphrases you may get clint to do a british accent just when he says uh bond james bond Yes, and have him direct it because it'll come in under budget and on time. That would you, you be could, great. You could have a James Bond movie by next year if you hired Clint. That's a great idea. 
because you get Clint on the you know the snowmobile or the jet ski or or the the uh, parachute whatever the big stunt is and he's doing it one take mm-hmm. which is all his body could handle and all the camera needs just one take of that so let's get into, I mean, obviously, Ron's Gone Wrong it was a 20th century film, mm-hmm. you know, uh, released by Disney. And seven, $7 million, not good. And, no. you know, you're hearing from Disney that it's not a good time to release kids' films in the, in the, in the theaters, in the marketplace. I don't know, because the Addams Family made 48. And it seems like that's a movie that has had very small drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids are going to see films in the theater. Families are going. They're just not going to see this film. Right, right. And, and you know, they're seeing films where the IP is familiar. So they're going to see Morticia Adams. They're going to see Tom. They're going to see Jerry. But kids do not know Ron in that same way. Ron no. is not a... Uh, generational IP that we've grown up with, you know. But and, if, if a kid says, "Yeah, I grew up with Ron," they're not talking about the Ron from Ron's Gone Wrong. They're just talking about, you know, just some guy that lives near their house. And also, Ron's Gone Wrong already. We never mm-hmm. even got to see Ron be right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? It's just one of those titles that you're inviting the headlines when you have the bad opening weekend. And you can't start a franchise with that kind of title where you're just begging the critics and you're begging the box office analysts. I mean, listen, I hung out with Jeff Bach of Exhibitor Relations Co. out here in in Hollywood the other day. Uh, Of course, one one of our uh, uh, closest associates of the B.O. Boys and when you title something Ron's Gone Wrong, you're just inviting Jeff Bach of Exhibitor Relations Co. You, you're, you're writing his headline for him, and he doesn't need that, but that's what you're doing. That's what it's, you're doing. It's, yeah, you're, you're, letting a, you're letting a Grand Slam hitter hit off a T-ball. Exactly. Uh, 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 what is that, a T-ball holder? I don't, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, but. yeah. The Ron's Gone Wrong as a title is a T-ball holder. Yeah, that's what this is, and and, and you, you can't make that mistake, you know. But you know what? Twentieth Century Disney, they're burning these movies off right now, and and they're they're putting the titles out there to match. You know, Ron's Gone Wrong, obviously headlines write itself. Last Duel, same thing. You know, a movie called Last Duel comes out and bombs, and, and again, someone like Jeff Bach at Exhibit Relations Co. He's he's writing. Of course, this is the Last Duel. Mm-hmm. Just look yeah. at the box office. And he's writing a better headline than that. That's that's me off the top of my head. He's obviously, he's got them loaded and ready to go. But these 20th century titles, they're just asking for the the slams and the headlines. Well, let's talk about Dune. Let's do it. Because Dune made $40 million. Now, this was higher than the tracking. Tracking was from 30 to 35. Mm-hmm. This weekend, it looked like it was going to make anywhere from 30 to 32. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, boom, up to 40. Yeah. Huge. And Bad Boys Forever-esque. This is 
although Bad Boys was incrementally moving up, mm-hmm. and it weirdly this was hitting where people were expecting it to hit, maybe mm-hmm. on the lower end, and then it bounced out of projections higher. It did, yes, it's true. Which is great. This that's I mean that's great. Anytime a movie beats its tracking. Mm-hmm. However. The fact that this is a movie that was made for what, 165 million, something like that. And it's a franchise starter. And it's a franchise because this is the first movie of a, a two movie series, supposedly. That's that's what it's planned as. Okay, only two. That's what I read. It's a, there's this is the part one. Okay. And the fact that this movie only made 40 million is still, I don't think good we yeah. we had it we originally said 30 i think 32 33 along the lines of what blade runner 2049 made yeah blade runner 2049 opened to 32 and change and i thought that this movie was in trouble because the deadline article for saturday was touting at 17.5 million friday mm-hmm, and i thought mm-hmm. When they don't have the weekend in there, they're really grasping at straws to put out some good news. Right, right. But it ended up at 40. And the thing is, this movie made a lot of money in the in the IMAX screens. It was the mm-hmm. biggest IMAX movie uh, mm-hmm. of the post-pandemic. It is a movie visually that people, I think, wanted to see in the theater. If you were there to see the the cinematography and the special effects and the grandeur the sand went to, to see th- the large mounds of sand you went to see this movie in the theater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and now and and everyone did a good job of getting that message out there that's both i would say the studio and then the super fans were very loud in the weeks leading up to it of you got to see this in theaters it's going to be a visual feast Blah, blah, blah. So so the messaging on this was really strong that if you're going to see this at all, it really should be in a movie theater. And this, you know, this broke the record for biggest uh, Denise Villanueva opening, mm-hmm. beating uh, beating out the, you know, uh, what is it, Blade Runner? Blade Runner. Yeah, that would have been the highest. That would have been bigger than because I'm guessing Arrival was opened, what, more in the 20s. Yeah, big. That was more of a sleeper, yeah. uh, kind of long haul hit. Yeah, the the biggest of the HBO Max day and date, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it should have been. If it wasn't, that would have been catastrophic for them. Right, right. With the asterisks of Godzilla versus Kong, open to forty seven million for the five day, and had it not open on Wednesday, I'm guessing that its three day would have been pretty much the same. So again, that is, yeah, that's true. But that also was at a time where we were starved for anything in the theater. Dune was going up against uh, three other blockbusters. Right. No, that's true. There's asterisks on top of asterisks. So you just, you just, Dune did it. Dune's got the record. Now we're not critics. We both saw this film. Yes. And I would say to sum it up, we both liked it more than we thought we would. Yes. And we both saw it in separate ways. Uh, obviously, I'm out in Hollywood right now, so we couldn't have seen it together. But I saw it in the theater and you saw it day on and HBO date on Max. HBO Max. 
Um, and I'll, t- I'll tell you, here's the thing. I had no intention of going to the theaters to see this film. Right. So HBO Max did not take business away from the theater in that way because this was a film that I would have skipped unless yes. I had a chance to see it. But you know what made me actually watch it? What? The fact that it made $40 million. Huh. Huh. Because if it would have made 28 or 29, which I think that's what we had changed our, we, we had changed, we went low on this. Because we were in the 30s originally. Yeah, I went I think to 29. I, went to, I, think I, I think I went there with you. Yeah. And once this hit 40 on Sunday, I loaded this thing up on HBO Max. And that shows the power of quote unquote good box office. Now, the fact that this beat the tracking, now if this would have made $70 million, I would have hauled my ass out to a theater. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I will say though, because you saw this first on HBO Max, said that you liked it, and that encouraged myself and another Hollywood friend of ours to go see it in the theater because we were not expecting you to like this at all. So mm-hmm. your lukewarm positive review of it is what the final push we needed to get ourselves out to a movie theater. And I will say, I'm not the main, I'm not the the the, the target audience for this film because no. I don't don't like sci-fi. I find it mildly embarrassing. Right. But I did. I do want. We need new stars. We need mm-hmm. new young stars. Timothy mm-hmm. Chalamet is 25 years old. Yes. We do not have young stars who can open films or will someday be able to open films. And, you know, watching this film, this kid is a star. He is a star. Yes. And seeing it on the big screen, he's a big screen star. He, yeah. he you know, the, the sand and the sand worms, they get a lot of the... Uh, uh, attention leading up to this movie. You got to see the sand on the big screen. You got to see the sand worms on the big screen. But I say after now having seen this, you got to see Chalamet on the big screen because he's really the visual feast that is this movie's true calling card. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think this film... they're saying there's going to be the second film, no matter what. I, and I, it's it's hard to say that's 100%. It's, I mean, with this movie, that $40 million is is overall soft for a movie of this size. But the thing they got to hope for, and I, I do think the HBO Max day and date, this is where it's going to overall hurt, is... This movie could be the type of movie that really legs out big because it's got good reviews. It's got a uniqueness to it. It's got a buzzy star in Chalamet. And it's the type of movie that could still, off of a 40 million opening, be a huge hit. You know, be a movie that makes 200 domestic due to its legginess. But I do think the availability on HBO, it's going to hurt it in the weeks to come because you're going to get a lot of people who are going to watch it this Tuesday or this Wednesday or this Thursday. And those are people who would have seen it in the movie theater. You know, the opening weekend with these day and dates, those are the big ones. And if 
40 million is as big as Dune is going to get, then domestically it's in trouble because this movie's got to make over $100 million domestic to even, to not be, you know, to, to have that sequel announcement not be laughed out of Hollywood. So it's yeah. got to make $100 million. And I don't think off of this opening, that's a sure thing because of the, the day and date on HBO. Yeah, and you've got The Eternals coming out right. on the 5th of November. And they're not they're not similar films. They're just similar size films. Right. And I think the Marvel a Marvel movie is gonna take so much of the theater going public away from something like Dune, which is a known quantity, but not a Marvel movie. Not a Marvel movie. I mean, the Eternals thing we'll talk about in the weeks to come. It's an interesting case because, listen, we're not going to bet against Marvel because they they haven't lost yet other than that, that Hulk movie, you know, back in 2008 or whatever that was. But if there's ever been a Marvel movie that has some, some bad mojo on it in the lead up, it does feel like it's this Eternals movie in terms of critical response, early critical response, early audience response to the trailer. Like, again, we're going to bet high on Eternals because you just have to. But Especially after Shang-Chi. T- totally. But even versus Shang-Chi, Eternals just has such a much more downer feel. We've talked about and we'll talk again about the some of the issues with the box office of this Eternals movie. So I could see a situation. I mean, this the Dune second weekend is going to be what's really interesting, because if it has a big second weekend, if it somehow makes like thirty million, just has an incredible hold, you could go into that weekend where Dune has a lot of positive momentum, because it's a critical favorite. It's it's you know it's got something special to it, and Eternals could be coming in there limping. And you you set yourself up for that. Not that Dune is going to make more, obviously, against Eternals opening weekend, but it could be just the the underdog crowd favorite. So I, that matchup is really interesting. Obviously, Eternals will open bigger than whatever Dune does that weekend and won't even be close. But I don't know if Eternals is necessarily going to swallow up these sandworms. No, and Dune will probably have hold of the premium screens for another weekend because again one night last night in Soho and Antlers are not taking those screens so you probably will still have a lot of chances to see Dune in the IMAXs and the like and those are where this is really racking up big money right 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 yeah so I I so I think the word of mouth will be Hey, you need to see this in IMAX. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, back to the sequel thing. I think it's a a a, a slam doink that there's going to be a full on announcement of when the sequel starts filming. Uh, might be might be before we even go to go to air. You know that that might mm. be happening right now, and I think it's a because. That's just what all these these studios do is they announce sequels immediately after whether they make them or not because the announcement's free. It don't cost you anything to send out a press release. Nope. And I think they're also in a situation with this director 
that, you know, Nolan is gone. He's gone from Warner Brothers. And you need another director to step in to be your big, ponderous, you know, award-favored uh, 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 sci-fi fantasy blockbuster guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think Warner Brothers is really trying to make Denise Villeneuve be their new in-house guy. You know, Clint is... He's aging. He may only have 20 or 30 years left to make a movies for Warner Brothers. Uh, Affleck obviously is out in the wilderness as far as being a Warner Brothers director. You know, they got Bradley Cooper, but they lost Nolan. So I could see them pushing forward on this Dune sequel to keep Denise Villeneuve as their new Nolan. They also have your buddy from way back. Not my buddy from way back, but they do have Todd Phillips. You're right. Todd Phillips is also an in-house Warner Brothers guy, but he's not making the same kind of movies that Denise Villeneuve or Nolan would have made. I guess he is making the same kind of movies Nolan would have made because he's, you know, he worked with Joker and that's also uh, uh, someone that Nolan worked with. But they definitely want to be in the Villeneuve business. Yeah. All the talent, including him were paid out mm-hmm. because of the HBO Max day and date release. So they're fat and happy. Yeah. They'll do another one. Yeah. That's not, there's, there's, you know, there's no question about that. Nobody's, uh, nobody's upset or suing like uh, Scarlett Johansson. Right. Right. Now, so one, one last thing I want to bring up on this opening weekend of Dune is, and this is something obviously listeners are wannabe old boys wannabe old girls wannabe old people people should go back to the archives from last year we had an emergency episode where the star of dune timothy chalamet he was hosting an episode of saturday night live and famously at the end of the show on live national television and we can't stress this enough that this was live he ended the show by wearing his legendary hoodie. And so we all analyzed at the time on that hour plus emergency episode, that was Chalamet's way of supporting the theatrical release of Dune because it was up in the air then, they were putting all the movies on HBO, blah, blah, blah. And he went out that night on live national television, legendary hoodie, made his statement that Dune needs to be in theaters. And in the end, he got a $40 million opening weekend out of it. So mm-hmm. it, it goes to show it's the little uh, uh, ripples in history that caused the biggest waves. And yeah. Chalamet, he made that ripple, wore a legendary hoodie, and he got a $40 million over expectations opening weekend. So go back, listen to that episode. It's a historical document. And it all paid off for Chalamet. He got the opening weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're gonna keep track, obviously, of this of, of this Dune box office. Like you said, if it has a good hold, this could make a hundred mil, which is, I think, the minimum to call this movie any sort of success at the box office. Yeah, yeah. I mean, domestically, I, th- I think at this point we're getting a sequel for other reasons but they really need to see dune make 100 domestic to not have the uh, sequel uh, uh look like a farce 
And I think, listen, the best case scenario for them, and they might be thinking this is, okay, this movie, we had big payouts to all the talent, so they're fat and happy. 40 million more than people expected for this opening, so it's touted as some sort of success. Then you get people excited about this film. You have more people able to see this film because they are HBO Max subscribers. They didn't go out to the theater to see it. So when the next film comes out in a few years, Mm -hmm. the people who didn't go to the theater to see it will go to the theater to see it because it's their only option. That's best case scenario. And I think that's what a lot of these studios, a lot of these streamers Mm -hmm. are thinking. Now, will that work? Is that enough to get people out? Or they say, oh, well, I like the first one, but I'm, it's not like I'm going to go to the theater to see the second one or anything. Right, y- right. You know, is are people going to be that passionate about the second part of Dune? Right. And I don't know. Right. We don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, listen, we'll, we'll be, be here. here. We'll be here. Yep. Um, so, so let's th- look towards... Let's look towards next weekend. Yes. Or, or is there something else you need no, to, to no, say? No, no. Uh, same page. I wanted to talk about Antlers and Last Night in Soho. So yeah, two two movies coming out. Antlers, which is a Scott Cooper horror film starring Felicity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrie Russell, and, who's a t- he's yeah. a, one of our biggest TV stars in the sense that she's had two uh, 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 big shows for different generations. She's had Felicity. She's had The Americans. But this is a movie. This is a movie, yes. Right. And then... Edgar Wright's latest, The Last Night in Soho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I, what are we, the tracking? Let's look at tracking real fast. So, Antlers tracking anywhere between three to eight million. Okay. And Last Night in Soho tracking anywhere from 6.5 to 11.5. Interesting. I mean, my first reaction on both is... Low on Antlers, higher end on Soho. I mean, Antlers, for a a horror movie to be tracking that low when it opens on Halloween weekend, I think that really shows that there is little awareness for this movie and it's not really catching on with mainstream horror buzz. And I do think that has something to do with, like, this director is... You know, he's the crazy heart guy. He's the uh, uh, um, uh, hostile. Out of the furnace. Out of the furnace guy. So he's a thriller sort of like drama guy. Never really made a horror movie. And so he's got no name value when it comes to that. He's not, this isn't Clive Barker's Antlers, you know, or Mm -hmm. John Carpenter's Antlers or Wes Craven's Antlers. You know, Scott Cooper's Antlers doesn't mean much to the horror community. And no. I I think I've seen a lot of commercials for this, but it doesn't really feel like it has a hook. I mean, antlers themselves definitely could be spooky, but it's it's not a you know, we've seen horror movies revolving around deer creatures before and they've never really caught on the way like, you know, Freddie or Jason or, you know, masked killers do. So I'm overall all to say I'm pretty low on antlers. You know, if, if three to eight is the range, like put me down for three or four. 
Yeah, this has been on the shelf also for a while. Mm-hmm. It's musty. Yeah. It's it's got a musty problem. If anybody knew this movie existed, they know that it's been on the shelf for a while. So this is no fault of Scott Cooper. This is no fault of anybody because no. obviously this was the pandemic situation. It's interesting this movie didn't get released during that time where movies were being released into theaters that were pretty much all horror movies. Right. When just the hardcore horror hounds were, you know, tempting fate and going to see movies. Right. It's interesting they didn't burn this off in that way. Yeah, it didn't come Uh, out with come play. Yeah, I have a feeling that that might have been someone like Scott Cooper saying, no, I want people to be able to see this movie in the way I intend, whatever. I don't know, but that could be the possibility where he said, I want an actual release when people can actually go to the theaters and feel safe. Right. That's a possibility. Yeah. I don't have any inside information on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm out in Hollywood. I haven't been following that story, though. You know, I probably have the access just being where I am. Of course, again, I'm across the street from the Fast and Furious house, so I'd be able to find that out. Just that wasn't a priority leading into this episode. And it's also only opening in 2,400 theaters, which is a small number of theaters. Now, this is a Disney searchlight picture, so this is definitely a burn-off. Wow. Wow. This is a bad month for those old Fox movies last yeah. duel Ron's gone wrong. And now we're assuming antlers is going to, it's going to have his antlers clipped, which I don't and know I if Chuck like, wants to use that as his headline. He probably has got something better in the, in the, you know, loaded up. I feel like this film is going to do worse or the same as it would have done in the pandemic era. Yes. Yes. This movie should have been released when there was nothing else because yep. I think at that point it would have made three to four. A hundred percent. You know, here's something we could do next week is when we get the antlers numbers, we could compare it to some of those October 2020 releases like Come Play, like uh, The Empty Man. And I think you're right. I think we're going to see that antlers is going to open at a at pretty much what those like Z grade horror movies did in October of 2020. I think this makes about 2.9 actually. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's my thought. So that's a great hook for next week is we're going to compare antlers to come play. Now last night in Soho, mm-hmm. Edgar Wright, he, you know, he did the, that that those three films with what's his face Simon Pegg and Nick Frost Simon Pegg so we're not going to talk about those because they minimal box office right right we're going to talk about his actual directorial films which he I, he did direct those movies. yeah but his big studio movies I think that you would comp this to are Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim versus the World those are those so, are like big studio had buzz leading into them, were mainstream for American audiences. The Simon Pegg movies, even though people here love them, they were very much for UK comedy fans. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came out 2010, open to 10. 
and legged out to 32.8 domestic. Mm-hmm. So not a hit. Famously a bomb. Not a hit. I think there it's, was. It's interesting that a movie like that that opened at 10, it shows what the expectations on that movie were that yeah. opening at 10 was a disappointment. You know, that movie know. came out and people are like, is this movie going to open at 30 or 40 million and be a big comic book, you know, mainstream hit? Because 10 is and not think, bad. No, it, it just didn't hold right. well. And I think there was some, uh, if you can believe, Michael Sarah fatigue at this point. I remember a lot right. of people saying, oh, another Michael Sarah movie. Right, 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 right. And now I think he's more of a guy who pops up in things, uh, weird projects that people are like, oh, I remember, I like that guy. But he was oversaturating the market at that point. Right, right. And I think it might have suffered because of that. Right. Now he's where he should be, which is he's a cameo in music videos. Yeah, I mean, I like Michael Sarah, and I think he I agree. can do good work. You mm-hmm. know, he he's he's been funny on TV. He does pop up in in movies and and does. I mean, he played in a movie that I didn't really like all that much. But the what was the gambling movie? Yes, with Jessica uh, Chastain. Molly's Game. Yes. Yeah, he, he shows Toby up McGuire. as. Yeah. And that's a. I mean, perfect. The perfect casting did a great job. So we love seeing him. But at this time, he was oversaturating the market. Right. So then, big hit though, Baby Driver. Yep. Big summer sleeper hits. Yep. This this film opened to twenty, mm-hmm. and then legged out to hundred and seven. This thing kept churning. This was two thousand seventeen. Right. Right. It was the free guy of its year. Pretty much. Yes. Big surprise hit. Uh, crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at Last Night in Soho, this doesn't have the same frenetic poppy appeal as something like Baby Driver. I I, I don't know what what the audience is for this. Now, you're, you mean, you're, you're high on this movie, I think. I'm high on this movie. I think this is another movie that was a full year delay. You know, it was supposed to come out fall of 2020 and got pushed all the way to this year. And I think this is the, one of the rare movies where the delay helps it because one of the stars of this movie became a much bigger star in this year. You know, you have Anya Taylor-Joy who became a much bigger star. Obviously, it's TV. Obviously, it's streaming. Obviously, it's Netflix with the Queen's Gambit. But she's, It's not TV. It's Netflix. But she's so much more famous than she was when this movie would have come out in 2020. So I think this helps. I think her name on the billboard helps. I mean, Thomas and McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit good actress but her name doesn't mean anything this is an anya taylor joy uh uh uh, you know vehicle and i think that means something this movie also you know and this could hurt it in the following weekends but it's definitely uh promoting itself as having a big horror element to it which is i think going to help at least for this weekend halloween weekend you know, it's it doesn't have the modern poppiness of Baby Driver, but it definitely has uh, a, a creepiness and a horrorness to it. So I think this weekend it could really overperform because of her, because of his fan base, which again, 
Scott Pilgrim vs. the World making 10 million opening weekend. You know, we look at that movie as a bomb, but that's a good opening weekend for such a niche movie. So he has a fan base. She's a star. It's, I think, positioning itself way above Antlers as the horror movie of this weekend. I'm going, I'm going 12 million opening on this. Well, Scott Pilgrim has become a cult hit. Right. And so there are younger people who were turned on to Edgar Wright because of that film. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as high on this as you are. So I will say 10 for this. Okay. I do think that it's going to do well. You know what? I think I'm going even higher. I think this could hit 15 million. I think yeah, it I mean, could it hit just 15. Depends. I'm going 15. You know, Great. I mean, that's awesome. I hope it does. Anya Taylor-Joy, she really doesn't have much of a track record at the box office other than she was in Split. She was in Glass. She was in Emma, although, unfortunately, Emma, you know, cut short by COVID, although that movie made $10 million domestic. I doubt it would have gone that much higher. And, you know, some indie She's stuff like the Thoroughbreds witch. and things like that. She's got The Witch, which also overperformed. You know, that was a movie that I think legged out to like 25 million. It did made 25, so that was big. So she she has a decent track record here. And and that was off um, the top of my dome. I have no computer in front of me right now. I know, that's insane. Uh he's a human computer, this man. Yeah. Well, when it comes to box office, otherwise, you know, try no. try, try try to get uh, split the tip with this guy. No, that uh, unless you're putting unless you're saying, all right, you you ate this opening weekend. I ate this opening weekend. We need to give uh, the waiter a percentage of this other opening weekend. Then, sure, I'm figuring out the tip. But That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do from now on yeah. for both of us. Yeah, yeah, is convert meals to opening weekends. Be like, you owe me the domestic cum of the witch. Right. And it's like, great, 25. Here you go. Yeah, 25. So, uh, okay, so I'm saying 10. You're saying 15. I That's think 15. Big. I think I think there's there's possibly a perfect storm of rising star power of uh theme for the weekend and of nerd fan base. And those are the types of things that listen, domestic tally, I am not saying last night Soho is going to be a baby driver situation. But I think it could open pretty well. So is there a possibility then that you have that as your number two? I think so. If you do your top five. I think. Can you do your top five without a computer in front of you? Let's see. Do number one for sure. Then I'm going Last Night in Soho number two. Then number three is got to be Halloween. What did Halloween make last weekend? It made. 14.5. Oh, so I think Last Night is definitely ahead of it because I think Halloween's going to have to dip. It's not going to have a a hundred percent hold, not even close. Like it's probably going to be single digit. So if that's three, then Bond is four and Venom is five. I don't think Antlers makes a top five. Yeah, I think it's it's basically where you put Soho, right? And looking at even if I say it makes ten, even if it makes nine, yeah, Halloween it's going to be number that. two. Yeah. Yeah, so do number one, Soho two, Halloween Kills three. It's whether or not No Time to Die holds on. 
you know, or Venom overtakes it, because those two were not that far apart, 11 and 9. Interesting. Wow, Venom overtaking Bond. You know what? I'm going to stick with what I had, but it makes... I'll have Venom overtake Bond then. That makes a lot of sense, because horror-wise, Venom Let There Be Carnage is, is, is so much more of a Halloween fit than Bond is. So then what? It would be Venom in, Venom in four and then No Time to Die in five. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I mean, and it's, it's yeah. going to be... I mean, the main thing is uh, we both think Soho is going to be two and has a shot at opening pretty well. And we both agree Antlers is not sniffing the top five. No, no. We think that that is, that is a slam doink uh, bomb. Yeah. Yeah. That is some straight up deer shit. I don't know if that's going to be a headline Jeff Bach at Exhibit Relations Co. goes with for antlers, but listen, I'm throwing it out there. Uh, you know, it's a grabber. Yeah, yeah. That's a grabber. Yeah. I'm reading that article. Yeah. So, yeah, otherwise, the one thing that we have to mention, we'll do this real quick, is French Dispatch number 9. Mm-hmm. The Wes Anderson film made $1.3 million in 52 theaters. Wow. Per theater average, twenty. $5,000. Wow. So that shows the strength of Wes Anderson's fan base. That's a hardcore fan base. That They're saying that, that, that this means that small indie theaters are back, art house is back. We'll see. I mean, he's a superstar when it comes to art house, so people right. will come out for him. Right. But that's good. It was a good, it's a, it's a good showing for him. And you know, Chalamet's in that film too, so. What a weekend for Chalamet. That's how you anoint a star. That's how you anoint a star is you get the number one, you know, big mainstream blockbuster and you're in the big art house hit. I mean, that's, that's, that's stardom. But we're going to watch the, watch the French Dispatch, see if it goes wide and what it does in, in, in that case. We'll see Mm -hmm. when this movie goes wide, if it can break into the top five or do what it's going to do, whether this is just hardcores all went and you're not going to see much after that. Right. Big win for Art House. I'm not going to say Art House is back, but big win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, big win. Big win for Chalamet. And yeah, next weekend is going to be very interesting. Um, All right, Pat. Well, where where can they find us? Email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know um, what you think Last Night in Soho is going to do. And let us know... Maybe some of your possible headlines for when Antlers inevitably get shot in the woods at the box office this weekend. So let us know your headlines. Let us know your last night in Soho predictions. And, uh, you know, let us know if you watch Dune in theaters or on HBO Max, the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. Clayton, one other thing that I want to plug while I'm out here in Hollywood is for all the wannabe o boys, wannabe o girls, wannabe o people, people who live out here in Los Angeles, go check out a big live comedy show tomorrow night, Tuesday, October 26th, at Stories in Echo Park, Los Angeles. Is one hour of stand up from past guest from box office comedy star Nick Turner. Oh, Nikki T, yes. So that's Tuesday, October 26th at Stories in Echo Park. Nick Turner, who, of course, at one point in time, very recently had the number one comedy movie in America with uh, Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark. Nick Turner 
stand-up comedy hour special. It's no one else. It's not one of those shows where it's eight people each doing five minutes. It's just box office legend Nick Turner for one hour. Great man. Family Mm. man. Family man. Yep. I'm, I'm meeting the wannabe oh baby of Nick Turner tomorrow. So I'm meeting a wannabe oh baby. We, we, we've we've been excited to finally get out there and travel and shake hands and kiss babies. And that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. Meet Nick Turner's wannabe oh baby. And then seeing his comedy show. Yeah. So definitely go out there and support a great man, a funny man, a, a, a comedy star. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Clubhouse got got to represent Brandon Gray. Got to the box office revival. You can see it's coming back. Yeah, he's covering all of it, talking about everything. And big days on Sundays, but he's always on there. So join up on that. Yeah, and got that. I think otherwise, we got nothing else to say. No. So until next time. Will smell you at the box office. Nailed it.